Hey, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of our podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm joined by Drew. Uh, today, uh, like last time, we are taking on uh, the new papal um, encyclical, uh, Fratelli Tutti, which uh, was po- put out by Pope Francis on the Feast of St. Francis. It came from Assisi. It was, uh, there's a little bit of wondering about it, specifically because um, encyclicals, by definition, are letters to the church. And this encyclical, along with his previous encyclical, um, not the first one on on uh, faith, but um, the his last one on, um, I think it was on the environment. The, the homily that I went to right after it was released was summed up in, so the Pope is telling us to reduce, reuse, and recycle. Um, so I'm pretty sure it was on the environment. It's, uh, but anyway, the uh, Laudato, I think it's Laudato Si, is the name of the encyclical but that that one and this one neither of them are addressed to the church so the question is is this really an encyclical if it's not a letter letters have to be to someone uh the other thing that's really interesting about this one is that it's written um my it was originally written in spanish if you go online to the vatican website you cannot get a latin edition of it which traditionally all church documents are um initially given to the church in latin because that is the official language of the catholic church and so the fact that this you can't even get a latin edition of it it wasn't um even translated into latin uh, at this point is a little concerning and kind of adding to the question Well, it's a break from the norm it is and for a church with two thousand years of tradition plus the old testament that we kind of base our teachings on uh that's kind of a problem because you know for us to break with norms for no apparent reason um, is a little disturbing. The other thing, too, that we'll talk about, because we're going to go through the, the preface of this document today. The other thing that's interesting to me is the fact that he specifically says this isn't meant to be a complete teaching, which I feel like is, once again, one of those ambiguities. Well, is it supposed to be some teaching? Um, because, you know, something can be teaching but not complete teaching. Is he meant meaning it to be teaching? Is he meaning it to add? I think um, that ambiguity is probably a little bit intentional, Um just from looking, taking a look at this document, um, you know, some of the other things that we're going to notice and put in. Uh, so the thing, let's, let's get started. So we're going to jump into the, uh, the document itself. And we were having some fun before we started, before we turned on the camera, just looking at the footnotes of this document. So the first one comes, if you guys want to pull this up, um, is it on our screen? Uh, yeah, we have it up on the screen, but you can find this on the Vatican.va site, uh, or you can just simply Google Pope Francis encyclical. It's usually the first link that'll pop up if you're looking at this recently. Yeah, and our the one that we're taking is is directly though from the Vatican website. Yes, this is directly from the Vatican website that we're looking at right now. All right, so it starts with Fratelli Tutti, which is the name of the document. Now, once again, usually it those are Latin. We we usually start our all of our encyclicals are usually the first few words or the first word or the first couple words of the Latin title. This is not Latin. Uh, this is Italian. Um, and we can see if we go to the follow the footnote, the first footnote uh, just after the title, uh, it is a quotation from um, St. Francis. So we, um, I spent four years discerning a religious vocation with the Franciscan community. So one of the things we had to have was the omnibus of St. Francis. So I have his document. So we're going to actually take a look at what the footnotes actually, what the original source is, because it's kind of interesting to me the way that he quote, the Pope quotes St. Francis 
when the Jesus Christ is only mentioned in this document twice. And yet, if you read the the, the passages that the Pope takes from St. Francis, uh, Jesus is like the center because there's so I feel like it's it's kind of interesting because as we were reading the document, it sort of seems like even though St. Francis is getting quoted a lot, his uh, the Pope's encyclical sort of seems almost antithetical to what St. Francis is actually saying. And we'll kind of talk about that as we go through the document. All right, so Fratelli Tutti, which literally just means my brothers. With these words, St. Francis addresses his brothers and sisters and proposed to them a way of life marked by the flavor of the gospel. Of these counsels Francis offered, I would like to select the one in which he calls for a love that transcends the barriers of geography and distance and declares blessed all those who love their brother as much when he is far away from him as when he is with him. Now, both of these come from St. Francis. So the, the, let's just put this, the first quotation being the Frutelli Tutti. Let's take a look at um, what St. Francis said when he was addressing my brothers, because it was a common phrase for St. Francis. He obviously started the Friars Minor, and he referred to all the brothers that he was with as brother, which is still something that they do. Um, this is under the under the, a section of St. Francis's. Is this the admonitions? It is, right? Yeah, the first the first two. So uh, for those using the site, you can actually just click on the little numbers here, and it will take you down to the bottom section where you can actually look at his citation. So admonitions is for the first one. So that's the English translation in Francis of Assisi Early Documents, Volume One. Um, and then when you click back on the number, you can actually go back right back up to where you're reading from. So they actually do, from a technical perspective, make it very easy to navigate this. Yeah, it would be nice, though, I have to say. if So I noticed for some of the later encyclicals where they are um, they're quoting articles from the Servitore Romano, which is the Vatican newspaper, they actually will let you link to the newspaper so you can actually just click and then find the exactly the source the omnibus wasn't the same so it just says admonitions of saint francis it doesn't say like it you can't just click on the link well, and go have it yes move to you. it's a little con it's concerning that they wouldn't just i mean this is the the world of the internet is amazing now you could just make a link i could just click on this one takes me right to the source it highlights it it could do all sorts of stuff the fact that it just takes me to the bottom of the page where it in text cites it so it's like okay i now have to find out what the heck this and the citation is not exactly like easily understandable i mean you you knew about it because you have the book yourself but i kind of look at that and i'm like what is this a book is this a website i'm not entirely sure so i'd have to do a bunch of googling and then i could potentially find the wrong thing so it would be nice if they used a little bit more technology here and actually just linked you straight to a source that's reliable that would have the full thing for you to read but it the fact that they didn't do that makes me think, okay, what are they, are they quoting things out of context? What are they trying to do? Like, it, it's, it's just, it's something that could have been a little bit more transparent. Yeah, I agree. And I think the other thing that's interesting to me is the choice of the ones where they do give you a direct link and the choices for the ones that they don't. Uh, some of the, it's the newer stuff that you can just get a link to, but it would be easy. Like, why are, why are they not giving us a link to the St. Francis quote? And I think it's because what St. Francis is saying seems like it goes against what the actual document is saying. So let's take a look. So imitation of Christ is the, is the section of the admonitions that, that the, my brothers is taken from. And this is the full quotation. Look at the good shepherd, my brothers. To save his sheep, he endured the agony of the cross. They followed him in trials and persecutions, in ignominy, hunger, 
and thirst, in humiliations and temptations, and so on. And for this, God rewarded them with eternal life. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves. The saints endured all that. But we who are servants of God try to win honor and glory by recounting and making known what they have done. So basically, he's talking about imitation of Christ. So the central point when St. Francis is saying this, my brothers, he's saying we have to be imitators of Christ. What the Pope talks about in this document is the fact that we have to be brothers and sisters with people who don't share our religion, which in one sense is sort of true. Like, obviously, they're not our enemies just because they don't follow Christ. But the whole point of the life of St. Francis was to bring people to Christ, not to say, well, it's okay if you don't actually believe in Christ. You know, maybe your God can save you. Our way is just maybe a better way or maybe a, an easy way. But obviously, it's not the only way, even though the Gospels very clearly say Jesus is, you know, I Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way. There's one. And it's Jesus Christ. So St. Francis made it his life's work to uh, bring people to Christ, not just to, you know, some kind of humanism and fraternity, which is what the document sort of talks about. Uh, so I think that's, I think it's a little disingenuous that there's not a quotation to the words of St. Francis, that when you see this first quotation, it takes you to something that says, brothers and sisters, we are rewarded with heaven when we specifically follow Christ and are imitators of Christ, which is what the church teaches. All right. In his simple and direct way, St. Francis expressed the essence of fraternal openness, right? Well, what is that? Imitation of Christ. Um, that allows us to acknowledge, appreciate, and love each person, regardless of physical proximity, regardless of where he or she was born and lives. Um, oh, we missed a footnote, footnote number two, which is also from the admonitions. Um, it's from a little bit different section. And it... Um, so when it says ibid, ibid, yeah, I don't know. Is that just ibid? It means the... it, what? It's the same as whatever was in front of it. Okay, was above it. Okay. Um. Yeah. Actually, this one was interesting because I actually had exactly the quotation he took, um, already underlined in my own version. So I must have also liked this line. However, um, and the quote that he's the, that he's pulling here is as much when he is far away from him as when he is with him. Right. It's so a the very specific snippet, not necessarily a full quote. Right. And that's something else that, that um, you pointed out, actually, when we were talking about this before, the fact that Pope Francis uh, has a tendency to take very small segments of a quotation, which usually is a sign of, you know, if you have really short quotations and you've got a lot of sentence filling it up and a lot of sentence afterwards, are you are you really using that quotation in its context? Um, and that that's kind of was a little bit well, this is, that was kind of what drew us originally to the 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 footnotes of this document well, that, and that's a worrisome thing that you I mean you can see the media today tends to do that they'll they'll take something that donald trump says and they'll say like donald trump in quotes said in quotes and then he'll say i don't like the military and i don't end quote but he they'll they'll quote out each like individual phrase so you'll get through that sentence and you'll realize that okay donald trump was quoted military was quoted don't like was quoted that could have been pulled from anywhere that wasn't a complete sentence that was three different sentences and they just kind of concocted them all together and then just separate them with quotes so that legally they're off the hook when someone goes to say, Hey, it's like, well, legally we, we, we did quote him. We just, <laughs> he did say we, the word, we the. squished certain parts of quotes together. So obviously Pope Francis isn't doing it to that degree, but he's already kind of, it seems that he's heading down that path of 
taking certain snippets and leaving other things out. He's not doing the he's not finishing the quote, as Trump would say. Right. Well, and I think the other problem I have with it is the fact that he's obviously appealing to St. Francis as his authority. And one of the other things that turned that kind of raised up my Catholic sense of like, wait, something is seems off here has to do with the fact that um, when I was a Franciscan, one of the things that the sisters were always pounding into us was St. Francis is always he's tends not always he tends to be um, presented as this hippie, as this love of nature guy. When you actually read the works of St. Francis, when you actually read the lives of St. Francis, there's actually another volume of this book that's just as thick. It's volume two. It's all the it's called the omnibus, which just means like the whole of something, all of it, uh, because it's the it's all the works that St. Francis wrote. And then it's all the the works originally that were written um, either at the time of St. Francis or shortly after uh, about him. So it's kind of like if you read this, the omnibus, it's you have sort of a good picture of St. Francis. And one of the things that comes to you very close, very quickly after you, as you're reading uh, the works of St. Francis and the life of St. Francis is that Francis was not a nature lover for the sake of nature. He wasn't some hippie. He was a great lover of God and the gospel and Christ was the center of his life. And it was only because of his love of Christ that he you know, loved the poor, that he served them, that he wanted to go preach the gospel to everyone. And incidentally, that he loved animals because they were created by God. But all of that came from his love of God. There wasn't anything in the birds themselves apart from their being creatures of God that Francis, you know, went out and would speak to them. He just had a love for anything that God loved because of his love for God. And so I think the fact that he gets, it's really kind of unfortunate that this great holy saint who really had a great love, especially for Jesus Christ crucified. You know, he had the stigmata, the wounds of Jesus's hands and his feet um, inside on his body before he died. So the fact that he is sort of represented as this, oh, we have to preach to the birds. Like St. Francis knew the birds couldn't be saved. He he just had a love for them because God loved them. Well, and I think we this kind of leads into the second section now that we're going to get into where it, it would appear that Pope Francis kind of does a quick synopsis a little bit of what Francis was like we want to read that next oh yeah um is it part two yep, part two okay so or paragraph two i should say yeah uh this saint of oh sorry the can we just really quickly though so when he talks about his brothers when he is far away from them the word brother in there is actually very much meaning his like brothers like the other friars minor basically um the section is basically talking about the fact that you need to care for the friars, the other friars minor first is sort of um, what we do. And so you shouldn't um, you shouldn't say anything about your brother when he's away from you that you wouldn't say to his face. Um, and St. Francis or sorry, not St. Pope Francis takes that um, as much as when he is far away as when he is with him. Um, the rest of the quotations it doesn't seem to apply to the context it's being used. But yeah, so let's move on to the, the synopsis of St. Francis's life. This saint of fraternal love, simplicity, and joy who inspired me to write the encyclical Laudato Si. I just realized Laudato Si is actually also Italian. Laudato, that I recognize that it's Italian, but the Latin Laudamus, I think, would be Yeah, Latin. it's yeah, Latin. It's, it, Italian is very similar to Latin. Mm -hmm. But I just realized Laudato Si is the name of a song that uh, St. Francis wrote, uh, Praise My Lord. 
Uh, I think it's a version of the, maybe the Canticle wait, wait. of the Sun. Pope Francis wrote a song. No, sorry, not Pope Francis. Saint Francis. Oh, Saint Francis. Oh. I, I was expecting now Pope <laughs> right, Francis sorry. to break out the acoustic guitar, sit around, campfire, maybe kumbaya. Okay. Uh, anyway, based on uh, the, the the notions coming out of this document, it wouldn't surprise me. But anyway, sorry, Saint Francis wrote a song about. I don't think it was his Canticle of the Sun, but there is a song I think that that comes from. You know, if Pope Francis did an album, I think I'd I'd probably give it a listen. I don't know. I've never heard him sing. He doesn't seem like a. He doesn't really seem like a like. I I think breathy acoustic. That's what I feel for him. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. All right, prompts me once more to devote this new encyclical to fraternity and social friendship. Um, isn't friendship by definition social? I mean, social means association, connection, coming from the Latin socios, which means like companions, colleagues. I just yeah, feel it like does, it feels redundant. It does feel redundant. Well, so and then he's got fraternity, which is also, yeah, just that whole that fraternity and social friendship. It just sounds really redundant in general. It, it does. Well, the other thing too is because I think the point that he makes, part of the point that he's making, is the fact that we're since we all share common flesh, we are all brothers and sisters, and so the fact that so basically, humanity all should, everyone in humanity should be part of the fraternity. You know, we're part of the brotherhood of men. I also think that it's really interesting because he goes out of his way. And this is just because I I find it I, – I really don't like political correctness um, where, as regards to women. Well, this – I mean, this is religion. Uh, and I, don't, I feel like it – this is this – is, if, if you're not going to find political correctness, it would probably be here because this is something that kind of you – know, you know, it, it, it – it, it, it has a relationship to politics, but at the same time, it also exists on its own because it has existed before the political spectrum as we know it today has, right? Uh, I'm not getting. What I you're guess what, like Jesus himself kind of transcended politics. Like even in his time, he was not. A, you would you would not consider him politically correct. Oh no, Jesus was not politically correct, and it's really just the language. So he keeps using he or she, which makes language so clumsy and it also sort of implies that every time they just use the word man which is like what they did for most of human history to talk about all humans male and female mm -hmm. that like women weren't included which should be far more offensive to women than the idea that well, now it just feels like a pity it yeah, does it just feels like we're well and the worst part is why has no one complained that it's he or she why shouldn't it be she or he <laughs> oh no you it or is it she or he now? It, no, it, in this one, it's he or she. It's but or it, that's not um, – sometimes they actually omit the he and just put she. I remember in one of my law uh, – I'm not a lawyer, but I, I took some law classes when I was in college. And um, one of our books, everything was she. And so all the criminals were she, which was just sounded weird because just statistically speaking – there are more men yeah, in prison than guys women. Guys are dumb. We, uh, we, we get into trouble. All and the time. also, all the lawyers were she's, and all the judge, everyone was a she. It, it was really oh. an awkward reading, which is also awkward here. So, like, he always just uses he or she. It just makes the language clumsy. But he's okay using the word fraternity, and he doesn't add sorority, which would be um, a brotherhood and a sisterhood. Yes. Anyway, um, this next sentence I think kind of gets into what you were talking about. Yes, earlier. this is actually here's the point. Uh, Apart from our tangent. It, this is a pretty big statement, I think, overall so far, what we've seen with this encyclical. Yeah. Francis felt himself. This is this is Pope Francis. Francis, talking about St. Francis. Francis felt himself a brother to the sun, the sea, and the wind. Why is that listed first? That part was me, not the Pope. Now here's the Pope again. Yet he knew that he was even closer to those of his own flesh. 
Wherever he went, he sowed seeds of peace and walked alongside the poor, the abandoned, the infirm, and the outcast, the least of his brothers and sisters. Close quote. Uh, so I think part of that is important, but it was not because they shared the same flesh. Uh, that's, I think, the thing that is is kind of disturbing in this document is the fact that it it's like, oh, we're all made of human beings. And um, well, to the untrained mind, it just kind of sounds like Francis is like a nature worshiper. Yeah, it does sound like a nature worshiper, which which he's not. Like, he isn't he at a, all. He had a strong appreciation for nature, but it was because he appreciated the creator. Right. Well, like when he goes to the birds, he tells the birds, you need to be by your song. You need to be worshiping Christ like every he was directing absolutely everything to Jesus Christ. It, and that is not the vibe you get from this encyclical, which hasn't it, we're in chapter two. I don't think God's even been mentioned. Um, gospel was mentioned, but otherwise, you know, Jesus hasn't even been mentioned. It seems disingenuous to use Francis as your sort of your this is my, you know, kind of as his authority in writing this encyclical or his inspiration for writing this encyclical. And yet the central element of St. Francis's life is not mentioned in the document, well, at almost, least at the beginning. I would, obviously, Pope Francis, St. Francis, it would make sense to use the saint that you're you're named after, sort of. Yeah, I guess, but this is but the second the time he's time, done it. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, yeah, and it feels like he's sort of morphing some of Francis's ideas to match the message that he's trying to portray. And if it's like, okay, if you want to portray a message, it's fine, but pick somebody who makes sense. <laughs> don't, somebody don't who actually agreed with you. Not... Yeah, yeah. I, it, it seems a little bit strange. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I just feel like, too, he needs he's going to need to move on at some point. But I also hate the fact that he seems to be he seems to be shaping um, Francis in his in he Pope Francis seems to be shaping St. Francis in the image of Pope Francis, which which is is wrong. Really, if anything, if, if Pope Francis is truly like if he picked the name Francis because he had a strong appreciation or admiration for St. Francis, it should be the other way around. Pope right. Francis should be molding himself to be more like St. Francis as he as he historically is known to be. Right, the true Francis, not a, not a kind of a thing. Not, not but I think it's super interesting because one of the things... seems to be portrayed as right now. Yeah, and one of the things that gets leveled against Pope Francis in some of his, like... Um, some of his humanism, I think, also needs to go in air quotes. Uh, but the, like... He yeah, does what, seem to did be. Did we discuss what ecumenism means again? Oh, ecumenism just is the idea of it. It used to mean sort of spreading the gospel, but it kind of now means like the idea of focusing on things that we have in common with other religions in order to sort of focus on the things we have in common, not the differences. Okay. Um, it basically has come to mean a justification for Catholics basically experimenting or even just practicing other religions. Uh, that don't Which recognize Jesus Christ as the only way. Oh, it's crazy dangerous. It's, well, and the thing that's really interesting is that one of the things that gets leveled about Pope Francis is the fact that is he practicing idolatry sometimes because he does seem to engage in these, like the Pachumama. I don't know if I said that correctly. Pachumama? Pachumama. It's a Amazon earth goddess, I think. I'm pretty sure it's an Amazon earth goddess, but he's had ceremonies where there's been like kneeling to an idol. Um, and it, and there was, I guess one on the, on um, the altar at St. Peter's one time, uh, which seems like that 
it's, it's, it, it's but the thing that's interesting is idolatry is exactly that idolatry is saying i am fashioning god in my image which is almost what i'm feeling like is happening in this document with saint francis saint francis you can't use history and saint for and a great saint in order to form yourself you're trying to transform that saint into what you want him to be it seems almost like it it's follows like the pattern of idolatry the bar, like the standard so that you meet it yeah kind like, of i can't i can never like it's instead of striving to be better it's just i'm never gonna get there so let's just lower that standard just enough so that i i look like i pass right but it's not even lowering the standards it's really fundamentally changing saint it's francis just, yeah um, and I, this is really very prominent in the next paragraph. Uh, it's labeled without borders. I have to, I already don't like, uh, <laughs> just <laughs> well, based off the hat I'm wearing. Come on. We need, we need those. It does. One of the things though, with this that I keep trying to remind myself, which is the Pope does not live in the United States. And it's hard because the timing of this is really interesting. It's a month before a very important U.S. election. Pope Francis has made it clear that he does not like our current president, even though many Catholics in the United States are going well, to vote for him because the, of the fact that he, he is, is the obvious choice for Catholics. For Catholics, yeah. For, be, one, for, for one very important reason. Right. And that's for the, pro, for the pro-life reason. But also, he because of the I mean, in but addition to that— There's a lot of things about him that would be appealing to— uh, a, a devout Catholic, as Biden would say, right? Which is interesting because if you think about like the actual founding of American of America, the founding of America, everyone's like, oh, it was Enlightenment principles, it was all these deists, and yeah, that's all true. But if you actually look at the beliefs that founded America, these ideas of rights being given by God that are natural, that government doesn't issue them. That, you know, government can or that a free people can only exist when there's a religious people, when people self-govern themselves. All of that is Aquinas and that's Catholic social teaching. So the fact that the United States and there have been our authors um, that have also talked about this. Um, uh, there's a guy last name, I think, is Gordon. Um, he wrote. Catholic Republic, I think, is the name of his book, or Rules for Rat, uh, Rules for Retrogrades is one of his books, not uh, Rules, not Rules for, Radicals, for Radicals. Which I think <laughs> that's Solinsky. Yeah. Uh, don't re- I mean, feel free to read the book. I it's think horrible. It can be, yeah, just don't believe anything in it. <laughs> it's it's a rule book if you want to become a, a horrible communist. Uh, but anyway, I think he wrote the book Rules for Retrograde. It's something Gordon. I can't remember his last name. But anyway, he he's talked about this in one of his books. I think it's called Catholic Republic. But the the concept is that the idea and the argument that I think is a good one that it, and I don't think he's the only one who's ever made it, is that the cat the the idea even though it, the United States was not founded by Catholics, it was founded by Catholic principles. And so I think it's super interesting that here in 2020 we've got this non-practicing. I think he's a Presbyterian, is what he claims. Uh, we've got a non-Presbyter non-practicing Presbyterian who is actually more along the line of Catholic social teaching, which is that, you know, the principle of subsidiarity, the idea that people people should be governed at the lowest possible level. So that, you know, there are things that ought to be governed by the individual person because they are the most effective way of doing things. And then things that can't be governed by the individual person should be by the family and then the neighborhood. Like you should always go to the lowest level of government and I say government loosely, I just mean like ability to rule, that you should always go to the lowest to deal with something. You shouldn't go to a higher authority when 
when there's a lower thing. So in Catholic, the way that this works in the Catholic church is if you have an issue with your pastor, you go to your pastor. You don't say, oh, I have an issue with my pastor and dispatch a letter to Rome complaining about him. That's, that isn't practicing the principle of subsidiarity. And so it's interesting. And the other thing too, like uh, that there are a number, this is just one of them, but I think there are a number of principles that, that President Trump is promoting, you know, even the idea of we want to have strength so that we don't have to, um, you know, have wars. You know, the idea that he's not big into fighting wars. You know, Catholic right, Church says peace through strength. Peace through strength is actually a very because Catholic the Catholic Church basically says there's you know you want to um, you know you can protect yourself that's fine but you know you shouldn't fight a war unless it's a just war and so I think you know President Trump seems to be like he's on that same page. So there are there are other issues um, that are you know and just the idea that the end of government is justice not charity a lot of people are like oh but charity is better than justice therefore that's what government you know our government ought to be charitable toward us and give us things and give things to the poor no 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 catholic teaching is that um i should look this up um i believe oh what saint is it i will have to look this up i'll, I'll bring this in for next one i think it's either aquinas or Augustine. Anyway, the end. Of, it's probably Aquinas. The end of government is justice. Like that's the purpose of government. When I say end, I mean purpose. So the purpose of government is to keep a just society. And if we live in a just society, then the individuals themselves are free to practice charity, which obviously also is a Christian um, virtue. But it, but it's a virtue that government can't practice because by definition, government is take the the what the government calls charity is oh i'm going to steal from these people who have more and i'm going to give to people who have less and i'm going to waste a whole bunch in the middle that's not charity governments can't be charitable human beings though can be charitable so if you basically have a just society and government is focused on justice then the citizens can just be focused on being charitable and helping out their neighbor and you would get great community life the problem is, is that in our day and age, the government has given up on justice, focused on what it calls charity. And now you've once again have everything flipped over. So now the people who are supposed to be focused on charity are now like trying to fight for justice and it turns it into kind of a mess, which is what we're seeing. Okay. Um, Sorry, that was kind of a tangent. No, that was a good one. Uh, just to kind of keep us on track, the the next few sections kind of dive deeper into a little bit of a history lesson on St. Francis. Yeah. Um, while it's very good, I would also recommend probably that you read a couple of other independent um, accounts if you want to know more about his history. I wouldn't like read this and then you know consider yourself a St. Francis expert. Um, there were a couple of points in here, though, mostly the points where uh, Pope Francis does a citation where we we had, we we, were, we we read this ahead, ahead ahead of time and we looked at those points and we kind of want to cover those points specifically so i think at this point we're probably going to jump around a little bit but feel free to kind of pause and read through and then kind of catch up with us as you get as you go along yeah so the thing that i think that is interesting though um yeah to get back on on saint francis is um his without borders and the fact that um he says there's an episode in the life of saint francis that shows his openness of heart which knew no bounds in transcended differences of origin, nationality, color, or religion. Now, the Saint, religion piece <laughs> the religion is what jumps out to us as Catholics and says, "Wait a second, yeah." Saint Paul talks about the fact that there's no, you know, in Christianity, there's no longer slave or free, Greek or Jew, male or female, because we're all children of God. 
Religion is a whole different story because the reason that we are all united and that there's no longer distinctions in slave or free, rich or poor, um, old or young. I why I can't find this Saint Francis or this Pope or Saint Paul quote in my brain right now. I can't think. It was some run on sentence though. It was of course. (laughs) It was Saint Paul. I'm sure it was a run on sentence twice times ten. But the whole point was that it's because we're united in Christ and St. Francis was attached to Christ. So for him to have, for him to claim that St. Francis, Oh, religion wasn't important. And he gives the example of him going to the Sultan in Egypt. Um, and the fact that there was a hardship in getting there, which is absolutely true. The story did happen. The problem is if you actually read what St. Francis was doing, and I'm pulling this from, um, the life of Francis fr- by Thomas of Chilano, who was, um, or Solano. I've heard it both ways. Um, I think Solano is probably the right one. Uh, but the, um, the, uh, the whole point of St. Francis's trip was to convert the Sultan. So the and, idea and that religion right? didn't matter. He wasn't. He went and the Sultan was so amazed by his courage. So St. Francis had this desire. He wanted to be like Christ in absolutely everything. He took imitation to Christ to a crazy level, which is why St. Francis is often referred to as the most Christ-like person who's ever lived. Because of the fact that he so badly wanted to be like Christ that he even wanted to be a martyr and he prayed to be a martyr. And he's like, hey, one of a one of the great ways for me to be a martyr might be for me to travel to the Muslims who are the professed enemies of the Chris of Christendom and to go into the Sultan and I will preach to him and I will convert him. And the word, you know, one of two things, either he'll send me away and he'll convert and send me away or, you know, in which case, if he converts, that would be fantastic. It would end the Crusades or uh, he'll kill me and I'll be a martyr and that will be fantastic too. So Thomas of Chilano in chapter 20 of his um, work on Francis, it's called the first life. Um, he says that Francis had a desire for martyrdom. And he, um, in the sixth year of his conversion, the St. Francis is we're talking about, burning intently with the desire for holy martyrdom, he wanted to take a ship for the regions of Syria to preach the Christian faith and penance to the Saracens and the infidels. Okay. He was not going to basically say, oh, let's find things we agree on. Oh, you worship a God? I worship a God. Isn't that interesting? Let's let's be friends based on the fact that we both have two arms and two feet and have the ability to know that we're human, uh, which is on a natural level what unites human beings. The reason human beings can be united is because of the fact of Jesus Christ. And St. Francis specifically went to the Sultan to preach the gospel to him. And so I think that it's... Um, well, the important thing to look at with that is the, the quotes that Pope Francis uses in this in this section that he he quotes he here's the citation he is citing saint francis of assisi earlier rule of the friars minor see that's the that's the thing that actually is not so inter, so these these footnotes i'm telling you the footnotes of this document are going to be better than the document so he has this all these quote unquote facts about saint francis right and about the fact that he supersedes religion his footnote has nothing to do with the life of St. Francis. It's a writing of St. Francis in his first rule for the Order of Friar Miners, which is talking about, let's go to the omnibus, 
Um, he is talking to missionaries among unbelievers. And he tells them that there are, he says, basically, it's a great thing for you to be missionaries among the Saracens, the Muslims, to go and preach the gospel and risk martyrdom, holy calling, totally encourage it. Make sure you ask your superior before you leave. Um, but superiors, you should really say yes, unless you have a real objection. Um, and he basically says, you know, the other thing is if superiors, if you're not going to let them, if you're not going to let these guys go, um, you know, just recognize that God's watching and you, you know, you don't want to be guilty of not allowing someone to go preach the gospel. So this idea that St. Francis was not a condemning, you know, that, oh, everyone's going to heaven kind of thing. No, no. He warns his brothers, these friars, minors, these men who have given their lives to Christ be on guard for the salvation of your soul. You know, St. Francis recognizes that sin is a real thing and that making bad choices about whether or not to follow God does not lead you to heaven. Okay, so let's talk about it. It says the brother, so this is a quote from St. Francis um, in his rule, his, his early rule. It says the brothers who go can conduct themselves among, sorry, among them spiritually in two ways. One way is to avoid quarrels or disputes and be subject to every human creature for God's sake. That is actually a quotation that St. Francis pulls from 1 Peter 2.13. So what the Pope actually has written here. Um, so he's citing, a, he's citing somebody else's citation. He is citing St. Francis, who is quoting St. Peter. Do you think he knew that? I don't know. I, it's right here in the <laughs> omnibus. <laughs> I feel like if you're going to well, quote someone well, in a document that's going to go out to every corner of the earth, like well, the other thing you is may he, as he well read exactly, this. I guess he didn't exactly fully quote St. Francis either in this. Because basically the, the statement that he makes in here is if they find themselves among the sacrists, Saracens. Saracens and other non-believers, that's in quotes. So this also leads back to the whole, he's kind of acting like the media where he's quoting something and then saying stuff and then quoting something else, but making it kind of sound like it's one big phrase. Yeah. But he basically says, Saracens and non-believers, without renouncing their own identity, they were not to engage in arguments or disputes, but to be subject to every human creature for God's sake. Yeah. So that to me, just listening to that statement, it sounds like, yeah, just go hang out with people from other religions, but don't don't confront them and, you know, tell them the truth. Yeah. Just well, sort of, you know, find common ground and then what? Right. Like, it just feels like it's a very open-ended statement. Yeah, don't engage in arguments. The whole, I mean, the whole point of being a missionary is to give an argument for Christ. Uh, yeah, and you're right. The The first quote, the first section of this is from the paragraph earlier when he's talking to, uh, like, encouraging those um, who are going. But the thing is, it's not that they found themselves among the Saracens. It's that these are men who were who were inspired by God to be missionaries. That's the, that's what St. Francis says. I mean, and granted, this might not be the same English edition because he wrote in Italian. Uh, the rule was first written in Italian, so this we're work we might be working from a different translation. But there's a big difference between accidentally stumbling into like a Muslim camp and knowingly saying, you know, I want to go there. Like Because I have a desire for yes. martyrdom. I mean, this like, is I don't know how you accidentally mistranslate something so different there. Right. And and, and, and this it, is, these are like this these are Catholics we're talking about. They don't just like like, like i mean like we saw with saint paul he he has run on sentences these guys love words they use so many words there's no there's like there's no way that it could be just this short sentence that says yeah i was in a muslim camp it was like i had this strong desire to be there and to be a missionary or no i just felt like going there i i found myself there like th there's no way there could be a translation error there just because of how wordy 
historically the Catholic Church is. Yeah. And St. Fr- yeah. And yeah. I mean, St. Francis was not a um, an academic by any stretch of the means. He was a very poor reader and writer, and he went blind. I mean, he was virtually blind by the time he died. Um, he didn't want to have a book. It, like, there's a story about St. Francis who says, I don't want to have a book because I don't want to have to have a shelf, and I'll have to have a house. And so, like, I look at that in, as somebody, obviously, who, if you can see behind me in my little library, um, I love books. I think they're super important. But St. Francis was not a man of books. So, but he, you know, but even that he did give good reasons because he knew the truth and the, tr- even in his simple way, he would express only the truth. Okay. So, but here's the interesting thing. So that's one way is to avoid quarrels and disputes and be subject. Okay. So, and the whole point of this, so he quotes first Peter, and then this is a quotation as well from, from the rule. So bearing witness to the fact that they are Christians. Okay, so they're basically, he's saying, live in harmony and peace with each other. That's one of the ways to witness it. It's like that song, which really doesn't, you know, (laughs) well, I don't know whether, you know, not saying I like this song, but there is a song where they will know we are Christians by our love. That's basically what St. Francis is saying. St. Francis is saying there's two ways to convert the Saracens if you're going there. The first way is to simply live the Christian life. Make sure you do it. That's the part that the Pope kind of quotes, but doesn't really make that point. You just got that song stuck in everyone's head now. Uh, We're sorry. all humming it, I know. <laughs> I'm very sorry. Um, I would maybe try to give you a better one, but I can't think of one. Uh, okay, another way. So this is a continuation of the rule. Another way is to proclaim the word of God openly when they see that it, that is God's, or sorry, when they see that is God's will, calling on their hearers to believe in God Almighty. So basically, start by just living like a Christian so people trust you. And when you all of a sudden feel the inspiration, God will tell you when the time is right to start preaching the gospel. So calling on their hearers to believe in God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity who is not mentioned in this doc- in this document. The creator of all and in the son, the redeemer and savior of the world, the one and only way by which people are saved, that they may be baptized and become Christians. Because unless a man be born again of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Unless that is the point that Pope Francis is going to be making in this document, he shouldn't be making the, he shouldn't be quoting Francis and acting like Francis agrees with him. Okay, because Francis basically says the only way these people can be saved is for us to go and convert them and to bring them to Jesus Christ. Okay. To say, oh, well, let's, we both have in common that we worship something. That's enough for us to both be saved. No. Salvation is through Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ alone. Um, And then the four is exactly, Francis did not wage a war of words aimed at imposing doctrines. That's exactly what he did. If you just continue reading his quotation, that he quotes earlier. That's exactly what St. Francis does. He literally lists the doctrines. Trinity, Jesus Christ, Redeemer of the world, you have to be baptized. Like those were the summary of the things that Francis said you have to believe. This is a total misrepresentation of St. Francis by Pope Francis. Um, He simply spread the love of God. How do you spread the love of God and not the truth of God? One of the principles of Catholic theology is that God is one, which means that, and that God is, um, okay, there's two doctrines. God is, God is one and God is, um, 
is uh, pure actuality, right? So he's, God is never not, um, or he's full, um, yeah, he's full actuality, which basically means God never has any potential. So if God is present, he is loving because God is love. So you never will have God somewhere where he is not loving to the fullness of love because he is love himself. It, it's sort of a weird, so I'm not, I'm not really explaining this particularly well, but like anytime God is present, every one of God's attributes is present there and everyone, and God isn't just like, oh, I am love. I could love if I were, if I felt like it, but I don't, I'm going to hold that as potential. So, um, think of it this way. Let's take a step back. So it's, it's hard to describe God, right? It's weird. Oh gosh, it it's is. like there's it's, a whole religion around trying to figure out more about this guy. It's weird. Yeah. And St. Thomas Aquinas, like the best of it said when he actually saw the reality, oh, all my work is straw. And St. Thomas is like the most brilliant mind humanity has ever made apart from, well, apart from it's Jesus like Christ himself. Storyline years of academy training wasted. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just threw it all away. Um, I will note that we're, we're, we're hitting the, the end of our hour here. So it looks okay. like we're only about halfway through the preface. Um, and there is just, there's just so much juicy content here. Um, yeah. I'm thinking we could probably break this off into a two-parter and then that way we can give you guys a break, go, you know, eat something, take a sip of coffee and then join us for our next episode where we can kind of dive more. Cause then we're going to get into COVID stuff and, um, a couple of more things introducing, uh, St. Francis. So there, there's a lot to discuss there. And I think we can break that up into our next episode. Yeah, I think so too. So, um, yeah, that sounds great. Well, I'll save my, anal- my explanation of God for, um, the next episode will give me a chance to think of a good example, uh, which will be inadequate to describe God, but all right. Well, thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.